You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Uh, Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. I want to begin reading with with verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, He demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for for thus it is written by the prophets, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not thou least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. There's there's an unusual reality within this aspect of the story. The oddity is who the Magi really were. Because if you were to say, okay, out of the uniqueness of this unusual story, God, Emmanuel, this God now in the flesh, born in, this, in such a way that of the people that would have been ushered into his presence to recognize the uniqueness of this birth, you would not have picked the wise men. They would have never been on the radar. Would not have picked them. Let's go to Isaiah 47. I'm going to begin reading in verse 10. Isaiah 47, 10. For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness. Thou hast said, none sees me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it has perverted thee. And thou hast said in thy heart, I am, and none else beside me. Therefore shall evil come upon thee. Thou shalt not know from whence it rises, and mischief shall fall upon you. You shall not be able to put it off, and desolation shall come upon you suddenly, which thou shalt not know. Stand now with thy enchantments, and with thy multitude of thy sorceries, wherein thou hast labored from thy youth. If so be thou shalt be able to profit, if so be thou mayest prevail. Thou art wearied in thy multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly 
prognosticator stand up and save you from these things that shall come upon you. Behold, they shall be a they shall be as stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There shall not be a coal to warm it, nor fire to sit before. Thus shall thou be unto, the, unto thee with whom thou hast labored, even the merchants from thy youth. Thou shalt wander every one to his quarter. None shall save you. So there is this, there is this definition there are characteristics because when we read wise men, they were not kings. They were, when you look up the word magi, which this is the word that is used here in Greek, when you, when you look up the word magi, it is these astronomers. They were the stargazers. It's the ones that Isaiah was saying, this is the group. Follow them. See, see if they can save you. They were scientists. They were committed to those things that were not of God. They, they were out of Egypt. They were out of, out of, out of a world that, that, that valued education, valued knowledge. They were not the likely people that, that you would have found coming to worship Jesus. They were the most unlikely. They were the ones that, 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 that trusted what, you know, and, and spoke taught those things that were not of faith. That was the Magi. Now we hold them up in, in strange reverence, but what's the greater mystery in it is, is the message that this tells us about the heart of God. There were specific judgments you had counseled in, back in Isaiah 47. You, you counseled and you listened to the magicians and to the sorcerers. They looked to the stars for direction and wisdom. They ignored God who made the stars from verse 13. So again, those are characteristics of the Magi. God's warning, the judgment of the astrologers by divine decree, death and, and bones buried to remove memory. All of that from Isaiah 47. Why, you know, why did they call them kings? What was, you know, what, again, what was our perception of it? Uh, they weren't called magi or wise men because of intelligence or because of study. It was because of the unusualness of, of how they followed and what they trusted. They consulted the stars to offer answers. This was the magi. That's why they were looking to the stars when they saw this great light. They weren't looking for a light that says, oh, someday we're going to see this great light and we're going to know that there's somebody at the end of it. They were stargazers. They were looking for answers. They were looking for explanations in the stars. They weren't looking for God. They saw something unusual to the degree that they would follow it. In their wickedness, this is strange, as they were, as they were doing those things, they were not putting their faith in God. They were not, again, standing there anticipating him. They were actually participating in that, which in Isaiah 47, God says, I, I don't want, I'm not for, I'm not about that. So we can actually recognize that it was in their wickedness that God came to them. Well, when, when, when you speak of the east from which we know they came, that is the Orient. 
that becomes one of the possible areas. You're 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 far more ge geographically correct than I am, so I will I will yield to your <laughs> to your clarity. Well, when I when I read about this earlier, they said that very likely this 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 could have been a band of over th between thirty and forty that came. Well, I, yeah, I, I can't answer that question. <laughs> All you know, my 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 point is that it was it was in the unusualness, actually, in the wickedness that God came to them. That's the to me that's that was the message. Well, when you if if it if it connects to Isaiah forty seven, and and the perspective and the warning that that God was giving Israel through through Isaiah. He's saying they were not to be trusted. These were men that were not to be trusted. But, but it, it should not be a surprise, you know, when we, when we recognize who Abraham was. Abraham was a worshiper of idols. He was not a godly man. He wasn't seeking God. He was chosen by God. Even in all that he was doing, God understood something about him. Well, we find that same thing here. And, and what catches my attention and I can't, I can't go very far in this story, but I know it's what, draw, what drew me here. We still have such a tendency in the, in, the, in the believing world to see a degree of wickedness to which God will not reach. We exclude because we have created lines and barriers and said there's a degree of wickedness. And it's not because we don't really believe God will do it. But our lives put on display our own beliefs. And if I believe that God could actually walk into that degree of wickedness, then I would walk into that degree of wickedness and let him, and let him be exposed there. Because we stay away from it. Our testimony is that not by, by our words, but by our action, that God is not really interested and bringing a message of hope to someone in their wickedness. Well, I'm discovering in, a, in, a, in very strange ways that if you don't believe in a God that will do this, if you don't believe in a God that's big enough to take on the most extreme, the hardest the most difficult life. If you don't know a God that's big enough, then we will begin by our nature to exclude them from those to whom we will minister. And I'm realizing God isn't leaving them out. As a matter of fact, he's bringing them to my doorstep. And I find myself in some of these situations saying, okay, God, I just heard about a problem 
brought by the person sitting in front of me that I don't have a path, a familiar path to go down. I don't have a way. I don't have an answer. I don't have a clear direction. But Father, this person sitting in front of me is broken. Their, their life is devastated. They don't know which way to turn. So they're sitting right here. So Father, you've got to show me something. You've got, you've, you've got to show me. You've got to give me words. You've got, you, there's got to be direction because this isn't somebody that's lived a good Christian life and lost their way. This isn't somebody that, that has just stumbled, got off track somewhere, even as a child. This life is destroyed sitting in front of me. And Father, you got to be big because I'm feeling real, real small right now. And when I saw this, that in their wickedness, he came. Because I was sitting with this person and God, the, the, and I'm, I'm, I'm inside, I'm crying out to God, like, God, show me, tell me, I need to see. He began to let me see what God saw when he saw the Magi. Because who did they become? Now, didn't change their roles, didn't change, but who did they become? They became witnesses. Those that were, even, even in their evil act, they, they caused them to see the star, caused them to see a lot. Uh, I'm not going to mention a name because it's being recorded, but I shared this story with a couple of times recently, uh, somebody that I know, somebody that you know, talking about the night that they really got off drugs. They said they were at, in the middle of the night hanging out at this house and they could, when, the, when the, the dogs would bark, it sounded like children screaming. So unnerving that they were afraid that the police would show up and find them in the state that they were in. So this guy decides, I'm just going to walk home. He's in Leveland, starts walking home, comes to this alley off the square and, and, and he said, look into that alley, it's just pitch black. And he said, he, is he, is, is he, like, I, I, he said, I've been down this alley hundreds and hundreds of times, starts in it, and he said, the viciousness in it was extreme. He said, animals that to him appeared to be like the size of dogs, vicious dogs, teeth tearing. And he said it was terrifying. And this is true. I mean, this is, he was experiencing it. He said, but down on the end of a building, on the other end of the block, Middle of the night, two guys were putting down tile in a store. And he said, when they opened that door that opened into the alley and the light came out, he said, he runs. He ran to the light in the middle of his wickedness, saw the light. 
He said, shortly thereafter, the next few things that happened changed the course of his life. How God came in, into, the, into the hopeless moment, the desperate moment, the broken moment, even the wicked moment, and that's where the light was. You see, we, we often exclude ourselves from those things that are that wicked. We don't know what to do in them. And God says, I just need you to be the light. I just need to let the light shine through you because they're, because they're walking in such extreme darkness. They just need to see the light. That's your starting place. Let them see something that draws them. No one... And, and again, it's hard after all of our stories. It's hard after you see back here on this table, this nativity scene where these kind wise men are there with their gifts. It's hard to get those images out of our head. But these were not, though, though they might have been that by the time they reached Jesus, that is not the men that were, that were making this pursuit. They were, they were, yes, being led by a star. But it tells us that no one is too evil. No one is too wicked. You see, Jesus was constantly questioned about time he spent with wicked men. The Pharisees, religious, watching him, following him, were always astonished and questioning his disciples. Why is he at Matthew's house? Why is he with the tax collector? Why is he going to Zacchaeus' house? Why is he doing this? Why is he addressing those who everybody else has rejected? Why is he doing this with those who everybody else has thrown away, who everybody else has rolled into this category of hopeless and helpless or wicked or evil? Why is Jesus spending time there? Because he doesn't see them that way. He doesn't see them as too far gone. He doesn't see them as too broken. It was amazing. Some of you remember this. It was amazing to, for me to observe, even at a distance, when, when Dale was a pastor here. And he started visiting with a man that generally the community had said, he's too hard, he's too angry, he's too mean, and no one would approach him about anything of, of God. Until Dale did. Went to his house. This guy was struggling with physical things. And Dale, it's hard to, this had to be terribly hard, but he'd get down on the floor with him and talk to him. And he was saved. Found out that what, what had caused all the anger was a vacation Bible school when he was little. And how he was pushed and cornered and tried to be forced into belief and what that had done to him. And he explained all that to Dale. This was a man I knew well and had rolled into the category of, that's a hopeless case. He will never believe. He'll never get it. 
And we're reminded, especially in this Christmas season, that the gift of Jesus wasn't given. He said it himself. Those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick. And we're so reminded of it. The missionary lesson that he gives us, the missionary lesson that originates in him and not in some missionary creed, is that as missionaries, we carry profoundly a message of grace. How big is the message of grace? Is it big enough to cover those that got rolled into the category of they won't ever believe? Those we've deemed too far gone, too addicted, too much struggle. We've rolled them into that category. Is, is the grace message we carry big enough to extend to those as well? Two edge, yeah. Oh, yeah, even in that category. That, that's, that, you're right, that's a category we, we just rule out. It's like they're too, they have too much money, they're too educated, they're too, they won't. We create the categories to the ones, again, that the world has forgotten, to the ones who are too lost, too far gone, too angry, too frightening. And we recognize, why would God pick the Magi? The shepherds make sense. Why the Magi? Because between those two places, we get, we get bookends. Between those who seem by the very nature, and I know those, those shepherds probably weren't the most godly people in the world, but it's a whole lot easier to connect them taking care of sheep in the story uh, to, the, to this picture, that God would show himself to the shepherds, and that God would show himself to the magi. Who gets excluded from the story? No one. No one is excluded from this story. I, I know why this is hit, why it hit me, why this was so relevant to me today. But the reality is that it needs to be brought back to us as relevant always. Even in this town, we roll a few into, still into the category of that's just too tough a case, that's just too hard a life. That's just too difficult. And God is saying, then you don't know my size. You don't know who I am. You don't know the enormity of my heart. You don't know the finished work because no one was excluded. If he had picked a group of preachers to go and make this journey, we would have said, oh, it's an exclusive group. If he would have picked the rich, the educated, we would have said, oh, that's a, that's a specific group. They are the ones that he was talking about. He made very certain from the poverty of the shepherd to the wealth of the magi, to the poor education of one, to the well-educated of the other to those who kept their eyes to the ground, to those whose eyes were cast to the stars. You see these two, the shepherds and the wise men, and you see the extremes 
of all the things that God was, was bringing and saying, I brought it to these and I brought it to these. You're not going to find a place where this message of, of, of God Emmanuel, God with us, you will not be able to find an exclusion between this group I brought and this group I, I brought, all to recognize the king. No one is excluded. No situation is too hard. Father, thank you for this reminder. And it's, what, it's all it is, but it's such a good reminder to me. You have told us that you have chosen the base things, the simple things, to confound the wise. You have chosen the weak things to astonish the, the, the strong. So we shouldn't be surprised, Father, that by your choice here, you send us a powerful message, that you send a message of hope to those whose stories seem too hard. To the one that I dealt with today, Father, uh, it's, it leaves me in the, in, the, in the place where I like being the most. It leaves me in the story realizing that there is nothing in and of myself that I can offer, but I can offer you. I can expose this story to you and you will show us what we've never seen before. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to once again, by the enormity of this challenge, to see the enormity of your heart, the size that, of, of, of who you are in this story. Thank you, Father. You do it and you teach us so well. Thank you for how you love us and amaze us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.